Hey guys, before we get into the episode, it blows my mind that we're launching another podcast. And this time, I actually want to feature you guys as a guest. Now, if you're a six-figure entrepreneur who has your own podcast and you listen to the show, I actually want to interview you on our brand new podcast, which is called Six Figure Podcast Rebels. You just need to go to www.top100interview.com and you can apply to get featured. All right, guys, back to the show. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to the Changemakers podcast. I'm here, but we're not actually in the same room today, are we, Gina? You, um, no, but I'm here. I'm here. She's here, I'm not here. just in spirit, but she's physically here. And this might be the most anticipated interview of the entire year. And, you know, forget Isn't Donald Trump and this? the White House and, you know, that that thing. That, that's, we don't even care about that. This is, this is a serious interview, right? Possibly the only thing good to come out of 2020. Yeah, possibly. I actually agree with that. Yeah, that's that's very, very, very relatable right there. And um, this this guest today, we, we don't want to tease you too much, but he's actually somebody that's massively impacted our business. And the poor guy hasn't even received any money from us. We've just consumed all of his content in some of yes. our high level programs yet. Yes, I like that, Gina. Yes. Like, give him, give him a little hope. So he gives us a great interview and then hopefully we'll <laughs> eventually come with him. Yeah, I like that stuff. So guys, I hope you're excited because uh, after this intro, we're going to bring on our amazing guest. Attention, this is not another boring business podcast. We're here to help mission-driven entrepreneurs get their message and offers out to the masses. In a fun way that doesn't suck. Over the last year, we've created a powerful community of podcasters that are becoming real change makers in the online space. And we're not talking about breaking a 20. I'm Jamie Atkinson. And I'm Gina Suzanne. And listen to us as we laugh, cry, and battle our way to a seven-figure-a-year business. We're going to be talking about not just what the online gurus are teaching, but what they're actually doing to transform and scale their business. Listen in as we break down the real-life publishing strategies these entrepreneurs are actually using. Come for the tactics. Stay for the banter. Welcome to the Changemakers Podcast. You're ready to create real change. And so are we. Oh, baby. That was... That was it's a, it's a, is, this, is this on? Is this thing on? Yeah, yeah, I think so. So Gina was just messaging me during that intro, guys. She's like, Jamie... Jamie, the, you are you are cutting out majorly on my end, and uh, I can hear everything on my side. So hopefully, this um, you lovely viewers didn't have to hear me going and going robotic. But Gina, should we should we introduce our guest? Please do it because I'm fangirling so hard right now, and I'm mad I don't have my orange glasses because every time I put them on, I pretend that I'm him. <laughs> we we actually in our house and and this may give you a clue to who our guest is today but we we frequently do the the and i'm not going to give away his name but we do the guest impression in our house all the time i walked out into the garden a couple of weeks ago and i was watching our guest instagram stories and he was like freaking out super hard about this like lettuce growing device that he put in his garden oh, we need it. and i was like oh my gosh this was so amazing and you know every single day whenever we need anything serious doing in our business I'm, I, I come downstairs and I'll mutter to Gina Gina we've got something serious to do today <laughs> I, we debated if we were going to share our impressions with you or not but like just know it. it's com from complete admiration and affection and from a place of love but I'll put these glasses on I'll come downstairs and say it's time for the quarterly meeting <laughs> <laughs> 
Right. <laughs> so guys, please welcome our amazing guest today. He is the pioneer of the amazing movement behind the evolutionary hunters. He's the winner of those amazing awards by Russell where you make like $10 million and a bunch on top. He's the creator of the billionaire code. He's a biohacker. He puts these weird energy things on his neck, which gives him a bunch of energy that he doesn't have to have coffee. We might get into that. We might not. Who knows? And honestly, he's famous for wearing those shoes with the toes, which kind of creep me out a little bit, but apparently they're great for grounding. And the orange glasses. Yeah, that was that was a deal breaker. I definitely brought it up and I said, well, if our guest Alex Sharfen can wear these shoes, I definitely think I can. Please welcome our guest, Alex Sharfen. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That was one of the most entertaining intros I've ever gotten. Well, there you go. If you didn't think we were weird before the intro, now you completely understand who we are and what we're about. So, Alex, thank you for coming on the show. Um, how's how's the last couple of months been for you? What's been going on in your world? Oh, man. What a loaded question in 2020, huh? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the last couple of months have been um, actually pretty intense. You know, uh, I'm one of those people who's always trying to grow personally. Over the last couple of months, I've been doing several things that are kind of pushing me, pushing my my ability to tolerate things and to like stay in uncomfortable situations. So I've been doing um, a ton of breath work. I don't know if either of you has ever like tried cycling breath work or I've been doing it since I was about 16, but in the past really year and a half, I've gotten really into it. Um, doing some cold plunges, which every day I've been doing a cold plunge, which Four weeks ago when I started, I had a fear of cold water, similar to a fear of death. Like it was one of the hardest things that I did. I had a friend come out and actually help me on my first one. And it, it was, it, I was a basket case over the course of the past four weeks. I'm getting in without panicking and I'm, I'm able to do it. So pretty intense. And then uh, my kids who have been homeschooled for years recently started a new homeschool transition school. It's kind of a, it's like a homeschool, but not in our house. It's somewhere else. And it's just been amazing for them. So we've had a, we've had a good few months. Wow. That's crazy. Wow. Are you a Wim Hof fan between the breath work and the cold plunges or do you follow someone else or? Kind of Gina, you know, I, I, I studied Wim Hof stuff. I did. I, I was practicing his stuff for about a year and a half, two years. I got pretty into it. I found that the, the rapid circular breathing, the way that he teaches it often created a paradoxical breathing, like a uh, reverse breathing effect where you're pushing your stomach out on the, in, or on the exhale and in on the inhale, which is not something you want to do. It's kind of a trauma pattern. So I did definitely did a lot of work with, with Wim Hof stuff. I've done a lot of work with yoga breathing, with Ayurvedic breathing, with Indian breathing. In the last year, I've been working with Shane and Angie Saunders out of Australia and they have like very tactical breathing techniques, very, it's kind of a, a melding of, of tactical techniques that get you somewhere with the spirituality behind breathing. I know that sounds a little weird, but it's just been amazing. Um, and they have a group that meets every Wednesday. So in a couple hours, I'll be jumping on there and doing a, a group breathing session with people from around the world. I'm, so cool. I'm, oh, that's yeah. so cool. I'm absolutely fascinated so because cool. one thing that I read about on your profile recently, Alex, which just completely knocked me for six, like this was, I was not expecting this. I nearly fell off my chair when I said this, but you posted something on your profile where you talked about like the lunar cycles and, and like yeah. astrology and about how you made a lot of your decisions in business around these things. Can, can you shed a bit of light on that? Cause I am just super curious. Yeah, absolutely, Jamie. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that, that that kind of stuff really like surprises a lot of people because I, I believe the impression I give a lot of people is that I'm very logic process driven, like very grounded down to earth. And, you know, in, in a lot of ways, that's completely true. Um, 
if, if you had told me 25 years ago, I would be even paying attention to a lunar cycle, I would have thought you were crazy. You know, I was, I was very based in reality, based in the present, based on what I could touch. But over the course of the past, you know, 20 or so 30 years, um, I've seen just too much data to indicate that there is more here and that there's energy at play here that we can understand and we can, we can start to, to um, understand how it affects us. Like I'll give you an example. One of the earliest reasons that I started like thinking about paying attention to energetics was if you look at the data around full moons, full moons create more emergency calls. They create more issues at schools. They create like, there is a real pattern of human behavior around full moons. And it took me a long time to get here, but if you look at a lot of what happens in the world, you know, we're 70% water and full moons completely and totally affect the tides in the world. So if they can pull the oceans and the lakes around, then they can affect human beings. And the deeper I went into the study of that, the more data there was, and like undeniable data that we are affected by these greater forces. And so I'm not a I'm not a religious person. I tried when I was younger, I definitely like went out seeking religious dogma and I attended a ton of churches and I went to, I tried to be a believer and I always had this issue with like, it just didn't feel completely right to me. And I always felt like, like the intention of the religion and the way that it was being applied in the day that I was there were two different things. And so I've really, I've gone down a much more spiritual path and you know, that definitely includes understanding water. If you know anything about me, you know, I'm kind of obsessed with water. And that obsession started years and years and years ago, just as, as how it made me feel. But then the, the more that I studied water, the more that I understood it, the more that I understood the spirituality and the energy in water, it's incredible. Um, you know, there's a book called, uh, it's the, the Hidden Messages in Water, I think. Yeah, this one, The Hidden Messages in Water. And this was a bestseller probably 20 years ago. It's by Masaru Emoto, and it completely changed my life. If you look at this book, have you heard of this book? I haven't. No. no. Okay. So it's a book with a lot of writing, but there's also pictures in it. And it, it, here's the premise of the book. Water was exposed to different energy. And here's what I mean by energy. They took water and they wrapped it in a shroud that said love and gratitude. They took water and they put a picture of a beautiful um, like desert landscape around it, like exposed the water to the visual. They also took water and put hate and they put um, they exposed water to heavy metal rock music. And it's bizarre what happens. In the cases where water was exposed to like the words love and gratitude, when frozen and put under an electron microscope, it forms perfect, incredible looking crystals. And when water is exposed to um, the word thank you in, in any language, it creates a crystal. Then on that same token, when water is exposed to heavy metal music or cursing or um, like orders or governing, like some being told to do something, it doesn't form a crystal. It forms a broken crystal or it form, forms something that doesn't even look like a crystal. And so probably, like I said, about 20 or yeah, probably about 18, 19 years ago, I first read this book and it started me on this path of, of seeing that there's a different level of energy in the world that we don't really understand, we're exposed to, we're affected by, but we don't pay attention to. So true. And Jamie, this is, I was talking to you about, there is some study that you're like, this is, this can't be true, but we're like, cooked rice was put in a jar oh yeah and then the people who like thanked the rice and like said affirmations to it didn't mold and then the other one where they like cursed at it and insulted got mold so like i totally believe the energy 
So Gina, I got, I got kind of obsessed with this because I'm like, okay, well, if this is true, then you can prove it. So I first did the rice experiment with brown rice. You cook three you. jars. Yeah, you cook three jars of brown rice and you put the words love and gratitude on one. You put like hate and pain on another one and you leave the third one alone. And what happens is the one that says love and gratitude actually maintains far longer than the other two. And the one that says hate and pain molds in a different color and smells way worse. Not just that. I didn't stop there. This was, this was years ago. I'm like, I really want to understand this. So I started growing bean sprouts. I had three bean sprouts, the control bean sprout that was left alone. Another one that I talked to for 20 or 30 minutes a day and just said like nice things. Every time I walked by, I would say something to it. And another one that I would go in and yell at. No joke. The one that you yell at kind of shrivels up. The control grows like a bean sprout. And the one that you give attention to actually grows stronger. And, you know, that those those types of experience experiments with nature, with water, with with energy are so real that they're hard to deny. I'll, I'll share one last one with you. Um, I don't know if you've read the book Power Versus Force, um, one of the most intense books on the planet. It's by it's right behind me here um, by David Hawkins. And it's a book that talks about energetics and it talks about muscle testing. Have either of you ever had muscle testing done where have you, are you familiar with what I'm talking about? I don't I think, think it's a holistic I have. doctor I did. Yeah. So holistic doctors use, yeah, it's, it's like muscle testing is, you know, you put your arm out, you say, my name is Alex, your arm's strong. My name's Bob, your arm goes weak. And so like, if you're telling the truth, you have more strength. If you're not telling the truth, your arm goes weak. Well, and this sounds kind of crazy, but in 2000, probably 2010 or 11, maybe 11 or 12, we had a huge real estate conference with about 800 people. And we had everybody break off into two groups and we gave all of them envelopes, two envelopes. And I talked to him about energy and how, because in real estate, really in any business, but in real estate in particular, there's kind of this attitude of real estate agents where they kind of, they get angry with each other. They're very adversarial. It's actually kind of known in the industry that it's a, a somewhat adversarial industry. And I always encouraged like understanding where the other person was coming from and leaning into the energy of what you're doing and, and really listening and hearing them. And, and, uh, and also the more adversarial a situation we create, the more it affects us. And so I handed out, we handed out all these envelopes and we had people do muscle testing. And this is amateur muscle testing, totally inexperienced. You know, test somebody's name, hold up envelope one, see what happens, hold up envelope two, see what happens. We had a room of about 800 people. So let's just say there was 400 some odd testing groups in all of them, but one, when people were strong, they held up envelope one. And when people went weak, they held up envelope two. Envelope one had a picture of Gandhi. Envelope two had a picture of Hitler. And Aww. when they all opened them, they were like blown away. Like this was a real estate conference. People were crying. People were like looking around and frustrated and like didn't understand. People were anxious. They thought, thought it was some trick that I pulled. They were like looking at the envelopes to see if there was something on the envelopes or if there was something I did in the room. The reality is like our bodies understand energy. Our bodies know what's going on around us a lot, sometimes more than our conscious mind does. And so leaning into that, dipping into that is something that, yeah, it's, it's pretty intense. I and how do you apply this to like growing your business or like your success or is it just your personal growth, which then translates into the business? Oh, no. I mean, I think, you know, energetics in a business are, are incredibly important. You know, if I, uh, 
if we're launching something or if we're putting something out there, like we'll check and say, like, is where is this in relation to the moon cycle? You know, when when there's a new moon, when there's a full moon, it's a time to let go of things. It's a time to let things go. It's a time to to process. It's a time to kind of to like like this last full moon this weekend. I actually wrote down the things that I wanted to let go of, went outside and burned them and like did a ritual to let them go. And in a new moon, it's when you're, when you pick up stuff, when you do new things, when you can kind of create. And I'm not saying that these things are only limited to these times, but there's like an extra energetic boost in the universe during these times. And so it's a really good time to do it. Like you can, you can choose to let go of things anytime you want, but why not do it in the cycle of the universe? And so if we have a promotion where we're telling people to like buy something, we're not going to do it at the time you should be letting go. And so we, we, you know, we, I wouldn't say we take our whole calendar out and say, okay, let's look at the moon first and then Mars next and Uranus next and, you know, who's in retrograde, but definitely, definitely does. It's, it's something that influences our thinking. I find this so fascinating because recently, you know, uh, for me, especially I've been on a journey of, of really more of a discovery about spirituality and, and letting go and really starting to embrace a lot of the things that have been buried from my childhood and the way that I react. And I recently read a book called The Surrender Experiment. And after just finishing that book and hearing what you're talking about now, and all these last couple of weeks, I find it fascinating that all of these, you know, situations are happening where people are sort of, you know, things are being presented to me where it's like, oh, I've got a thread that I can pull and I can go and chase right now. And I want to, I want to actually just draw the conversation back a little bit, Alex, if that's okay, because you said that, you know, at the beginning, you said, you know, the last two months have been a lot about introspection and growth and, and for you growing personally, and certainly within my own communities and for myself, I found that a lot of people right now are really struggling and it's not so, you know, transparent as my revenues dropping, my subscribers are down, things aren't working. For me, it's really seemed like a lot of people are going through a lot of internal struggles right now. And I remembered right at the beginning of COVID, you gave us, the, you know, the crisis briefing and we're really transparent about what you thought was going to happen. Um, would you give any advice to anybody listening right now who's going through some of those those turmoils and troubles? Yeah, lean into them. Lean into them. You know, I think one of the big issues that we have as people and this comes from a from, I mean, this is like decades of spiritual research that I've done it, it, you know, what, what happens to us is when we have negative feelings or we have negative experiences, especially as entrepreneurs, we want to avoid them as fast as we are having them. And if you really think about how your mind edits the world around you, especially from your childhood, Jamie, you mentioned your childhood, you know, as children, as we're having negative experiences, a lot of the time, we're not really fully recording those. We're not fully capturing those because of the trauma involved with those experiences. As adults, we can rationalize and say, oh, well, I had this thing happen and this is how it felt. But really, that's mostly a lot of time that's rationalization. So if you are in a negative place, if you're having negative feelings, one of the best ways to get through that is to go. One of the best ways to get past that is to go through it. And I think far too many entrepreneurs try and back up, go around, go under, go past. The reality is it's still there. You're carrying it along with you. And the day you're willing to really lean in and say, why is this bothering me? Why is this troubling me? What's going on? You know, I'm. And when I say that the past past year has been intense, you know, since COVID, I think COVID has created so many opportunities. And I want to be very careful how I state this. Mm-hmm. I've had friends that have, have been affected by it. I actually had a friend pass away in Arizona a couple of weeks ago, older, but still a really incredible human that, that I love like crazy and I, I miss. Um, so I don't want to present saying like COVID is a good thing. 
But I think anything that happens in the world, there's always two sides to the coin. And when you look at what COVID has done, it has created massive acceleration in the world. Mm -hmm. Things that were going to happen over the next 10 or 15 years have happened in the past nine months. A friend of mine shared a, shared a chart with me for just one example for e-commerce. For e-commerce over the past seven or eight years has had this very clear, very steady growth line. Then you hit March of 2020 and it starts spiking and now it just goes straight up. There's been literally 10 years of e-commerce growth compressed into nine months. And so there's just this massive acceleration. And for us as people, I think COVID has allowed for this introspection. You know, we don't have as much human engagement right now. We don't have as much face-to-face. -face. There's not as much movement in the world. And so it's really an allowing us to, 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 to be introspective, to think about who we are. And that's definitely happened for me. That's, I think that's part of the intensity over the past, since COVID hit. Yeah, I can definitely relate with that. And it, it's been this challenge where suddenly in six months, I'm becoming way more aware of the way I feel, why I feel certain yeah. ways, where it ties back to. And, and you're right. It's that exploration of kind of discovering where that thread leads, right? And it's yeah. kind of scary. Why? I don't know. I think I have, well, I don't know. I have problems expressing my feelings and understanding them. And that goes back to my childhood. Oh, um, for sure, Gina. Yeah, but so having all these feelings and coming to terms with them is just it's just a scary experience for me. You know, Gina, that's that's it's interesting that that having feelings and coming to terms with them is scary. I, I know what you're talking about. I mean, I, I can relate. I started trauma therapy when I was 21. I'm 48. So I just turned 48 this last month. And um, at the beginning of having those feelings, there was there was fear there was actually denial like crazy. Like I didn't want to have the feelings. I actually felt better when I wasn't feeling, or at least that's what I thought. I thought it was better to be in a place of not feeling better in a place of not exploring and examining. But over the course of the past 26 years, well now 27 years of, of trauma therapy in recent years, psychedelic therapy, um, and a lot of other modalities, I've, I've learned that or at least for me, this is my truth now. It certainly wouldn't have been 20 years ago, but now it's, you know, the, when we have those feelings, they're there for a reason. You know, I, I, I there's a woman who's involved in therapy that I love. Her name's Pia Melody and her stuff's a little bit older, um, but there's a CD or a, a YouTube video you might want to watch. It's called Pia Melody and it's shame CD one, Gina. And she talks about feeling your feelings and she talks about why we don't. And you know, as a, as a spiritual person, I've come to understand that those feelings are part of that greater energy that we have in the world. And the more we accept them for whatever they are, even when they're, even when it's feelings of vulnerability or guilt or shame or whatever it is, there's a gift on the other side of those if we're willing to explore them. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about this in an incredibly eloquent way. I want you to know it's pretty messy going through it. So I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to sensationalize this and say like, oh, Gina, just do this thing. Like I, there's been some seriously overwhelming times of, of trying to unpack everything. But I think for us as entrepreneurs, the more we're willing to do that, the more we really figure out who we are, what our motivations are and what's really going to move us forward. I know we joked about this being a therapy session, but like, okay, this is a therapy session. <laughs> when you well, put it out there, right? you know, you, Jamie, by just indicating by what you said, you know, you, it sounds like you might be on a spiritual journey as well, right? Not, mm -hmm. not as much dogmatic or religious. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, here's what's interesting about being on a spiritual journey in this lifetime, in this world. 
in contrast with a religious journey. Um, and this is why I wanted a religious journey so bad when I was younger. My friends who were in a religion, and I had friends that were Jewish, I had friends that were Mormon, I had friends that were Christian, yeah, um, that, that were like, I mean, you, you name it. And I, I probably, I had, I was in California. So I had friends that were um, Scientologists. I had friends that were, were you know, Muslim. Um, and he, here's the reality of any spirit, of any religious journey is that when you start, the rules are given to you and the path is laid out for you. And there's just so much certainty in that. Like, that's why I wanted it so bad. That's why I kept going from one to another saying like, hey, I want the rules in the path. And the challenge with, with that for being, being, you know, creating a spiritual journey and, and stepping into your spirituality is no one gives you the rule book and a path. And one of the big challenges with being on a spiritual journey is that until you've been going for a while, it's very, it feels trepidatious. It feels ambiguous. It feels like it's hard to talk about. It's hard to share with other people. It's a very internal thing. And it's years, sometimes decades before you're willing to start talking about it. And for me, that's very much how it's been. You know, I, I, I've, I've, uh, I've been on this journey for a long time and really only in the past few years have I opened up and started talking about it because I feel like I'm in a place that's defendable. You know, when I was younger and I would say something like, oh, well, you know, I, I tuck a crystal in my waistband when I'm going into important meetings to ground me, people would look at me like I was crazy or like I shouldn't be in the meeting. And so I just keep it to myself. Now I'm like, yeah, I tuck a crystal in my waistband when I'm going to an important meeting. And if somebody like attacks me for it, I'll sit there and explain to them exactly why. And at the end of that conversation, it's, it's usually they're asking more questions rather than just denying the reality that I have. I find it I so, so yeah, I find it, I find it so fascinating because, you know, a lot of the time I'll come into interviews with intentions of what we want to talk about. And then sometimes the natural conversation goes a different way. And, and this is very much one of those times where, you know, when I, I feel sometimes that, that this, this unconscious thing that happens where when you need something, it comes out in conversation without you yeah. kind of realizing it. And then, you know, the other person usually is in a position to kind of help you through that. You kind of know what I'm saying there, Alex? Oh, yeah. You, I, you know, the Celestine, Celestine Prophecy, I don't know if you've read that book, but it's a, it's an incredible book to read if you're on a spiritual path. And I read it, um, I've read it several times. I'm rereading it again now. And it's a book about nine insights that are basically kind of what I said. Like I said, you can't have the book for spirituality. This book could be that book. And one of the insights is recognizing synchronicity. The more we're willing to recognize the, the synchronistic things that happen in our lives, the things that line up, the people who just show up, the thing, you know, and it, I, throughout my life, I felt that. And I was, I was raised to be spiritual, even though my, my parents took me to church every once in a while. My mom was a master manifester. I didn't know what she was doing when I was a kid, but we didn't have a lot of money. And so we both bought most of our stuff at garage sales. So Jamie, I, I don't know if where you are, they have garage sales, but- Yeah, we call them the car boot States. sales. <laughs> okay, there you go. So it, no matter where you are, they're always a different name, but it's basically you put all your stuff out in front of your house and people can buy it. And that's where I got my clothes. That's where I got pretty much everything that I had when I was a kid. And we would get up in the morning. My mom would take us all down to the car. My dad never went. It was just me and my mom and either one, two or three sisters, depending on how old I was. And she would say, okay, what do we need? Like, what are we going to look for? What is it that you would like? What is it? And she would get really clear and we would talk about it for five or 10 minutes. And then we would go to garage sales. And when I was a kid, I thought that that's how you shopped. You sat in your driveway and you told everybody what you needed. You thought about it really hard. And then you went to garage sales and it was there. 
And as I got older, I, I always was blown away at like how my mom could do this. And I remember when our, our daughter was born, I can't remember what the item was, but my mom was like, is there anything you want us to look for in garage sales? And I told her like this totally, like I basically said, here's the thing you're never gonna find, like try and do this mom. <laughs> Two days later, she called us and was like, hey, I found it, it's brand new, it's in a box. The people got it for their baby shower, they forgot to use it, I'm gonna send it to you. And like that that type of synchronicity, that type of 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 like, energetic experience tells me that we are so much more powerful than we think we really are. I got a little bit of chills with that. Yeah, Moms also intense. just have a super secret power. So, but yeah, my mom was one of the most, she was a very, very intense person. Wow. I love this. And I actually remember listening to one of your, um, uh, podcast episodes where you talked about, I think getting the Tony Robbins, uh, CDs from a garage sale, right? You, you wanted to buy yeah. them and then the guy ended up just giving them to you. I'm guessing yeah. that that might've been another manifesting secret, huh? That, you know what, that might've just been me as a little kid looking for anything. Yeah. I think I was about 10 years old and I ended up with a box of tapes and books and I, I still have some of them. I've like kept them for this whole time. And I remember I got Tony Robbins unlimited power, um, Wayne Dyer, The Awakened Life, and then some original Bander and Grindler NLP stuff that I never really understood. I tried the NLP, it confused me, but I loved Wayne Dyer. I could listen to Wayne, I, I went, listened to Wayne Dyer over and over again so many times that I, I literally wore out a tape. Now that tells you how old I am, because most people are like, what is he talking about? <laughs> you mean that <laughs> thing wear- that you hit like save on in, in Word? Is that what you're talking about? Like, <laughs> right. How do you wear out an MP3? That's bizarre. Yeah, that's amazing. So I, I would love to change gears a little bit and, and kind of go back to my original intention for the interview today, which is to learn a little bit more about, you know, what, what you actually do inside of your business, Alex. And we talked a bit about this before we jumped on the podcast episode, but, you know, I'm fascinated and you can probably tell by me like pulling your stories out and being like, oh, here's a story you told once that I'm an avid listener of the Momentum podcast. And, um, and I'm super fascinated by your strategy for growth because I, I think that a lot of it, you know, does come back to the podcast. And, and I, I really believe that there is a huge amount of referrals that come through your business as well. Um, but I would love for, you know, rather than me trying to guess at what's going on, can you talk to us a little bit about how your podcast aligns with your strategy for growth in your company? Yeah, absolutely, Jamie. So, um, we help entrepreneurs with the stuff that's not really super sexy, you know? And by that, here's what I mean. I mean, podcasts are sexy, marketing sexy, running ads is sexy, getting leads is sexy. We help entrepreneurs with process, structure, and routine. And we, we you know, personal life, relationships, and really in business, we, we, we have systems and structure that allows a, an entrepreneur to stop driving the business growth, step into a passenger seat, coach their team and grow the business without giving up their life or giving up their family and who they are. And that sounds good, but here's the issue. When somebody's making the decision, do I go, you know, build another funnel or do do more lead generation or get on more sales calls or go work on process structure and routine? That is a difficult argument to win. And so in our case, we feel like we have to create a tremendous amount of trust and momentum for someone before they'll consider working with us. And so when you look at our podcast, we put out two episodes a week. Each episode is meant to solve an issue for an entrepreneur. And a lot of it is stuff that in, in past iterations of our company, we used to sell. So I have, it's funny how you started the podcast saying how much we've helped you, but you've never paid anything. We have, we get testimonials like that all the time. In fact, if you read the testimonials on the podcast, there are people that say they, they built multiple seven figure businesses from startup, just listening to the podcast for the last couple of years. And so here's what we know about that is that 
if we're putting out content that has a dramatic, immediate, relevant effect on somebody's business, we build trust. And so every podcast episode that I go to record, I think to myself, this is about building trust. This is about giving as much as I possibly can in the time constraints that we've created and changing someone's life. And so we know that if, if we're able to do that, eventually we're going to end up face-to-face -face with somebody. And eventually, even if they are running our cadence, they know our content, they understand who we are, they join our community so they can be part of the system. I'm, I'm, I'm so um, impressed overall with that entire approach because I can imagine that for some people, there's a certain element of frustration with that approach, Right. You hear all the time about people that are coming through and, you know, perhaps people aren't going through your system or, or paying you money. But I, I'm really am impressed by the dedication that it takes to put out that level of content. What do you use in, in sort of synchronization with the podcast? Um, and, and is it OK if you give us a little bit of an overview of sort of the overall structure of how you guys grow? Yeah, absolutely, Jamie. So um, the podcast is a huge part of it. It's, it's probably our, our largest lead generation generator and it's our largest source of phone calls. And so when you look at the podcast, most of them end with jump on a call by going through one of our funnels. Um, and so the podcast is a big part of it. Then we have paid advertising, which is a big part of it. And then we put the people through experiences, which is a big part of it. So like as an example, this last or just over the weekend um, for Black Friday, we sold our Momentum Planner which I was really excited. We keep, or we, this is the third time we were going to sell the momentum planner to the market and it kept selling out to, we would offer it to our members and then they would buy them all. And so we finally bought like a ridiculous, I think we bought 10,000 this last time. So we sold this over the weekend. And the way that we sold it was by putting people into experience of, uh, understanding where they are now and what does the momentum planner do for them and then painting a picture of where they're going. And so, and very much taking them right from podcast episodes, right into that experience, right from our list, right into that experience. And so we use the podcast to put people on our list and then also get people on phone calls. And then we also have like, what is it we're going to promote or what experience are we going to put them through? And then once people are on our list, once or twice a month, we give them the opportunity to jump on a call with us. And so whether you're a podcast listener or you're on our email list, the same thing that we do on the podcast, we do on the email list. The emails we send out are meant to help. Uh, they give insight. Um, when we do sell, it's, it's very deliberate. We actually say, hey, we're going to sell to you now. And there's an opportunity for you now. And we don't, we don't like sneak it up on people. And that ends up in you know, pretty decent results. I think we sold... I don't know, 400 of these or th between 350 and 400 of these over the course of a couple of days. And so um, worked out pretty well. That's amazing. And where can I get one of those? <laughs> I'll have so to send you a so link, Tina. Okay, send me a link. I mean, I love a planner. So <laughs> systems and processes and structure are like my thing. So I'm geeking out. Hard. Well, Gina, this is different. This is so, hmm, this, this goes a little deeper. So the momentum planner is a planner that I built over the course of about a decades of research. And when I say decades of research, I go down deep, deep rabbit holes. You know, sometimes if I'm in a room and there's a bunch of doctors talking about water and hydration and how it affects medication and how it affects people, and I'm talking with them and they find out at the end of the conversation, I'm not a doctor, they're always shocked. They're like, what do you do if you're not a practitioner? Like, how did you have this conversation? Well, very similar on planning and structure. And so the Momentum Planner is this very, very deliberate, very low constraint planning system. Here's how I look at most planning systems out there. They're constraining you. 
They're constraining you into boxes. They're constraining you into systems. They're constraining you into thinking patterns. You know, some of the best planners to get things done every day are some of the worst planners to plan the future. And some of the planners that really help you execute a to-do list, they also have the side effect of keeping you in an execution loop where you don't look up and say, where do I really want to go? And so the momentum planner addresses that on a quarterly basis by kind of taking an inventory of your life and then building a plan around it. Then on a monthly basis, by figuring out what you're going to execute each month on a weekly basis, by getting you clear on what the week is going to hold. And then every day, like the daily planning system is really where this, this shows this is just a completely different planner. It actually scientifically activates the reticular activation system in our mind. It actually turns our mind into a success seeking device. And it's not hard to do. It just creates habits or it just, it not creates habits. It just takes habits. So when we habitually uh, sit down and recognize what we're grateful for, when we habitually sit down and recognize where we feel like we won, when we on a daily basis, um, admit first and then write down where we were uncomfortable the day before, our mind starts working on those in both conscious and subconscious ways. And so when people use this planning system, they typically have, um, they typically get a lot more done, but they also have tremendous personal realizations and massive shifts in their lives. I love that. And I need that. I need that. So send me that link, please. Yeah, you got it, Gina. <laughs> Honestly, if we can get it shipped to Costa Rica, that'd be fantastic because it's impossible to get anything shipped to Costa Rica. I just paid double the price on electronics. Anyway, moving swiftly on, um, Alex, I want to touch a little bit about um, something you just mentioned was about creating experiences for people. And I think for a lot of new entrepreneurs, especially when they hear that, they might start to think about, oh, okay, let me create more products, more events, more programs to go and create. And, and certainly in the last couple of years, in the last six months, I've realized heavily that, hey, the more I can focus and do just one thing, the more successful that I can be. Um, so I'm curious to know a little bit about um, the way that you plan launches and the way that you launch campaigns. Do you just promote one product? Do you sometimes try to put things together? Can you take us a bit behind the scenes of that? Yeah, Jamie, it depends on the launch and it depends on on what we want to have come out of it. You know, I think... Um, what you just said about doing one thing is crucially important. When, if, if you look at our business model, it's not a launch business model. We actually have kind of an all day, every day open model. So um, billionairecode.com is one of the primary funnels for our company. If you go there, you answer some questions. You also get to download the Billionaire Code ebook. You get uh, the matrix for the Billionaire Code, but you can also set up a call with a member of my team. As you go through that process, we're actually cap capturing all of your demographics. So now we have you in our system. So we can now custom market back to you. So depending on what level you are, we can send very specific things back to you. And so we're, we're not a launching company. I mean, we do like Black Friday promotions and those types of things. But I think that the way, the way I, you know, you mentioned this earlier, we get a ton of referral business and referral business and a launch model contradict each other. Because in a launch model, you get a whole bunch of people to come towards you. And then it's hard when you have referrals from that launch, they have to wait until the next launch. So for us, we, we, we kind of let people come in anytime they want on the membership. Now we do generate launches to get excitement around say the momentum planner or around something very specific. But for us, it's important that if you're ready to work with us, we're here for you anytime you're ready. And I would say probably half of the sales calls where we end up working with someone, they say something like, I'm going to call you back in two months, or I can't do this until January. I can't do this until March because we want people to come to us when they have the time and the energy and they're ready. 
And in the world of high ticket sales, everyone will tell you, you're never going to see that person again. We always do. I find that fascinating. And one, one thing I'm curious to know about, because um, I honestly don't know the answer to this. Um, I am a big fan of Alex Mosey. I love the fact that he is so outrageously for high ticket because it means he can be terrible at everything and still make a lot of money. Um, but I, I'm, I'm not super aware of um, like what your core product is, Alex. Like I know what the system is. I know what you do. Can you take us a little bit behind your, your kind of core product if you strip everything else away and, and what that looks like? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm a huge fan of Alex Hormozy too. Uh, I just want to put that out there. Alex and Layla are really good friends of ours. Um, they're incredible people. And Alex is one of the most gifted marketers I've ever been around. But on that same token, Layla is one of the most gifted business operators I've ever been around. Like the two of them together, it's unfair. If they, any industry they get in, people should just quit. But anyway, um, when you look at they, they, they're just amazing human beings. And then they're, they're not just amazing human beings. They're really good, good people. Mm -hmm. And my wife and I love hanging out with them. My kids love them. If we're going over there half the time, they're like, oh, they want to go. So they, when I met them, they lived in California. They moved to about 10 minutes away from us. So it's very cool. Um, so in, in our products, we have three membership levels and here's, here's what we do at each level. We show you the process structure and routine to grow and scale your business without doing everything yourself. So our entry level is a 297 product. It's called foundation. It's for the entrepreneur who doesn't have a team yet and wants to understand how to strategically plan, grow the infrastructure of their business and make decisions that make their business growth predictable. So that's the first level. The second level is called catalyst and it's for the entrepreneur who has an operator and now needs to build out that core team and communicate to a bigger group of people, have them all go in the same direction and grow the business usually to over a million dollars. So foundations, probably several hundred thousand catalyst will get used to somewhere between one and 3 million, depending on the category of business. And then our highest level program is called accelerator and accelerator helps you break your team into departments create a departmental structure, have departmental reporting back to the, the business itself. And here's the key. Our promise is if you apply our systems, you can run your business from a passenger seat. And let me explain that concept. This is a concept we use internally. Most entrepreneurs are used to being in the driver's seat. Would you agree, Jamie? 100%. Yeah. In fact, when somebody else is driving, we often want to give them advice so that we can, you know, be in this one removed driving seat. Right. And Here's the interesting thing about a business. If you look at most of what we as entrepreneurs consider driving the business, they're tactical operations, running a meeting, setting up a calendar, figuring out when you're going to do things, putting like putting systems and, and process and execution in place. That's all tactical. So we show entrepreneurs how to set up a system that manages the business so that the system can actually grow the business and then they can step into a passenger seat. And here's, here's why that's so profound. If you're running every meeting, driving the calendar and doing everything else as an entrepreneur, you are fatigued and you have decision-making fatigue and you will not be able to show up as everything that you can. If you can step into the passenger seat and run the business from a place where you're not making all of the decisions, it's incredible how much more creativity and awareness and presence and ability to, to create the business. You know, I, I always say, as entrepreneurs, we're that small percentage of the population that gets up in the morning, travels into the future, creates a new reality, comes back to the present, and then demands it becomes real. 
And that journey is not an easy one. And so the more pressure and noise we can lower in our lives, the faster we can do that, the more effectively we can do that. And when you're running your business from a passenger seat, it frees you up to spend your time in the future, creating that new reality and then sharing it with your team. I have a question. So what are the kind of day-to-day things that you do? So obviously podcast interviews, because you can't, your team can't do that. So we want to see you. Um, So what other things do you do? Like what are my responsibilities in the yeah, business? Unit? Yeah, so exactly. I'm, I'm involved in all of our strategic planning meetings because I want to know from a 20, 30 or 50,000 foot level, depending on the meeting where we are. So I'm involved in our annual meeting. I'm involved in our quarterly meetings, our monthly meetings. Um, I'm also involved in our weekly strategic operations meeting. So I do one weekly operations meeting. And then on a weekly basis, my now our team is broken out into departments. We're kind of, we're in that third category I talked about. And so I I attend my weekly strategic, which is on Thursdays, which is all five of our leaders going through their weekly departmental reports. Um, And then I spend a lot of time on content. You know, I'm I'm one of the, I'm, I'm the primary content creator for our business. And so I do podcasts like this. I do our podcast. Earlier today, before I got on a call with you, I was translating about 10 pages of handwritten notes into a presentation I'm gonna do for our, our members. And so I spend a lot of time on both rewriting the content that we have so it works better for people, but also creating content that, it, that our members need. Amazing, thank yeah. you. All right. Yeah, my pleasure. I, I, I'm super fascinated because we just took a, uh, I took a week off last week and Gina's currently on a week off now. And it's interesting what you say about being in the passenger seat because we've definitely felt that that's now possible after years yeah. of never being able to do that. And, and it's something we want to cut more into. So we, we're just about finishing up here, Alex. And I, I guess my final question, um, actually, I want to look into the past a little um, because how long have you, how long have you been doing your podcast for now? Do you know off the top of your head? Um, I think it was July of 2017. Okay. So that's a pretty serious amount of time to be doing a podcast. Yeah. There's almost 700 episodes. What was the first year like for you, um, in doing the podcast? And are there any big lessons that you want to share from that? What was the first year like, um, God, Jamie, I'll tell you the truth. I had been in production for forever. I'd done tons of stuff on home shopping network. I've been on live TV for so many, so many times. Like I can't even count. Uh, I have thousands of hours performing in some way. And the first podcast I ever recorded was terrifying. It was one of the hardest things I've ever recorded because I was like talking into a microphone and no audience, nobody there. It was very difficult to do. So I had to find a way that made it easier for me to record. So what I started doing early on was doing Facebook lives and we would rip the Facebook lives to a podcast because I felt like I had an audience. Um, But here's what was interesting. The first year was so validating because forever I had done speeches and I had been, you know, I'd been out there. um, I'd shared stuff but there was no repository where people could go back and there was no place that people could point to and say, Hey, you need to go listen to what this guy's talking about. And so what really, what I found most, most incredible about the first year was the number of referrals that we got, the number of people who would contact us out of the blue and say, Hey, my friend sent me this link and I need to know more about your company. And you know, if, if there's one thing that, that I would say every once in a while, when I was doing a podcast early on, I would say, Oh, I'm not going to share this. This is too important. This is behind the scenes stuff. They have to pay to get this information. And 
it was probably three to six months in where I'm like, forget it. This is silly. Like, I'm just going to give it all away and people will come to us. And when I started doing that, there was a clear spike in downloads, <laughs> like a very, very clear reciprocal uh, that the market was like, hey, this is getting better. And so I think to anybody doing a podcast, one of the biggest mistakes you can make is hold anything back and like try not to share and try not to tell people what's going on. Um, one of my really good friends and clients, uh, Emily Hirsch, just did a podcast on the most recent launch she had, and she's an advertising agency. She actually talked about how her me re most recent launch did not go well. And now how weird is it that an advertising agency shares a launch that didn't go well and she's getting a ton of calls from that podcast? Because it's just transparent and it's real and people relate to it and they go, wow, man, if she's willing to share this, she must be killing it everywhere else. And so I think I don't have a lot of regrets from that first year other than every once in a while I would hold back. And then the other thing is, Jamie, at the beginning, I didn't ask any of my friends to share it or anything. I just like just put it out there. I wish I had gone to some people and deliberately done that because eventually Russell Brunson heard it and Russell heard it. And just, I mean, Russell's helped me so much. He talked about it on his podcast. He talked about it from stage. He's told people at events, they need to go download it. And Alex and Layla did the same thing. And so a lot of my friends kind of helped us get to the point where we are now, where we have, I think we're, we're consistently between 50 and 70,000 downloads a month. And we just got the chartable numbers that were in the top 1% of podcasts worldwide. So out of the million 200,000 podcasts, we're in the top 1,000. That's incredible. Alex, I'm so appreciative of your time. Guys, if you haven't listened to the Momentum podcast, what are you doing? Why are you listening to us? Go listen to that podcast. Our favorite. But Alex, listen. just before you finish, um, if somebody wants to find out more about you, if they want to get into your world, where can we send those people? So easiest places is one, go to MomentumPodcast.com. That's a, a page for our podcast where you can go to any of the, the listening platforms that you use, or you can go to our website and click on the podcast page and search by specifics on what you need. And then if you want to understand the primary like foundational framework for our company is called the Billionaire Code. And if you go to BillionaireCode.com, you can go through the experience we talked about earlier. Amazing. Alex, thank you so much for being on the show. You enjoy this, Gina? Was it fun? I loved it. Final rapid fire question. Why is your tongue blue? Oh gosh, you can tell. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used, I used this supplement earlier called Canatine blue um, from transcriptions. And it is a mitochondrial booster. That is also the dye that they use in fish tanks. So when you use it in the morning, it turns your mouth blue, but it gives you kind of a little bit of a pick me up and, and you feel a little oh. more clear minded. Um, right. And before, before we jump off, I just, I just want to say something like I, it's interesting how this podcast developed for months. I've been wanting to have the conversation that we had at the beginning somewhere where we could capture it for my team. So I just want to thank the two of you. Something about the way you showed up made me feel very validated and, and heard. And so I think the first 30 minutes of this podcast are going to be amazing for my team. So thank you for helping me capture that. And thank you for allowing that. And, uh, and this was really, this was awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing that. We really appreciate it. We're so grateful. Yes. Alex, thanks so much. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll see you in the future. We'll, we'll hang out again soon. Sounds great. See ya. Hey, everyone. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. 
One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high-ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.